welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast, featuring leading voices in 2019, supporting women to fully show up, connect to their feminine, authenticity, and truth. I am your host, Erin Rachel Doppelt, bringing light to the marriage between Eastern practices and Western psychology, while encouraging you to show up for yourself and the world around you. May this be your time to shine. May you show up. I'm super excited about today's podcast. I have my dear friend with me, Maggie DePasquale. She is a professional big sister. She helps college and high school girls to feel more confident and less stress during all the stages of the college process. She is a guru in transitions, and I am super psyched to have her here today. Hi, Maggie. Hello. How are you? I'm so excited to chat with you. Me as well. This is so fun. So tell us, Maggie, how did your business evolve? So I'm the oldest in my family. My little sister is two years younger than I am. And when I went to high school, I went to a high school 45 minutes away from where I lived. And I was truly terrified. I wouldn't get out of the car my first day of school. I didn't know a single teacher. It was a campus with different buildings. I didn't know which building was which. I had no friends. And my mom was like, get out now. We're going to have a fight. So I eventually got out of the car. And two years later, my little sister goes. She knows my friend. She knows the campus. She has a different experience of it. Then I go to college and I tell Katie, see you later, figure it out. And two years later, she's at Boston College with me asking the same exact questions. And I'm like, that's it. I want a big sister and I want it now. And it happened to me around the time I was looking for internships and trying to get a job and um, using the Boston College alumni network to kind of get a feel for maybe what I wanted to do with my life. And these people were so helpful, um, recent grads, um, Grads, I, I did a lot of journalism, so I, I went and toured different magazines and stuff. And I was like, this would have been super helpful for the emotional part of middle high school and college. So I decided to become a professional big sister and fill that need um, and kind of be what I never had. That's beautiful. That's amazing. There's such a need for that. I do. I do think so. And how does it look today? How is your clientele? What are some experiences or stories they share with you? Oh, wow. That's such a broad question. Um, so right now I currently work with mostly college girls, um, some high school and some post-grad, but that big, that chunk of life is truly transitional and you're figuring out who you are, what you're doing, who you want to do it with. And it's just kind of all crazy. And what really helped me during that time is being able to bounce ideas off of um, mentors or people that had gone through the things that I was going through. Because your friends are great, and I'm so lucky that I you're one of my gurus and my best friends, and I have a great group of um, friends where I live. But there's something to be said about getting perspective from someone um, outside of the group or a little bit older or have, has had gone through this stage of life as well. Um, so that's why I really like working with these college girls because I've, I've been through it. I know how to get to the other side and I just have such a visceral understanding of what they're going through. Um, I also think that social media plays a huge role in any kind of um, mentorship that I do now. So being a gentle place to land with all of that different ways of connecting, communicating, comparing um, is a lot of what I deal with. But um, my girls tend to be super achieving, really 
beautiful, fun, exciting, stressed, want it all kind of women. And I love that um, I can relate to that. Yeah, it sounds like us. And just helping, helping them, you know, dig through some of that stuff, just like the people I love help me dig through it. Wonderful. Definitely. Social media is a wild, wild beast. Even with my own clients, it's it's Snapchat, like constantly comparing, oh, all my friends are together and I wasn't invited. Or being having to be on all the time. Um, you know, my best friend just texted me now and she's like, we have 50 messages in our group chat. I can't read them all. Can you give me a cliff note? And I was like, yeah, I got you. Like just the, how we connect and not even it being necessarily like a bad thing or a good thing, just a different thing that, you know, our parents didn't experience life um, this way. So being able to be a resource in that arena, you know, I deal a lot um, of stress and anxiety work uh, and just how different aspects of our life play into what we feel like we should be doing or who we should be. And, you know, that's what I chat with girls about all day. What are some practices you share with them as it relates to stress and anxiety? You know, it's really tailored to every girl. You know, you got to know your client. I'm not going to force anyone to meditate if I know that's like totally off for the kid I'm working with. Um, That's something I do in my own practice to like sit in quiet and stillness and do. Or, you know, I'm a big fan of the the journaling. Very large fan. But I, I think my biggest practice is having someone to be able to say the things that you're afraid to say to. Um, you can meditate and journal and whatever, but if it's still feeling all like this inside, then it doesn't matter. And being brave enough to let someone hold you um, in a place that maybe feels like tender or vulnerable, I think is a very helpful practice when dealing with like stress and anxiety. Because normally it's related in something bigger, like not feeling worthy or um, good enough or, you know, there's normally a theme that happens. It's not just always about like the test. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're a saint to these girls. That's amazing. So tell me a little bit more about journaling and why it's one of your most favorite practices. One, it's really easy. Like I'm super busy. Um, I do a thousand things. I'm Gemini. So I'm talking to all my friends all the time. (laughs) Like, (laughs) um, So I like, I time five minutes on my phone and I just like free write it out. Like I say the craziest things. Um, I have a journal that I think is really pretty too. (laughs) So I like looking at it (laughs) every day. That helps. Um, It's really not structured. It's not, um, you know, like I wouldn't necessarily be like name three things you're grateful for or you know dig through sometimes I'll do CBT questions in it um cognitive behavioral therapy so I'll do CBT on myself um if there's like something that feels like a persistent repetitive pattern or thought can you um, give us an example of that oh um yeah so CBT is like a way of changing your beliefs about things um or like changing the patterns of your your mind and like creating a new belief system. It's sort of questioning why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And there's different steps to it, but 
you know, you take like, what's the thought you're thinking? What's the belief behind that thought? Can you challenge that belief? And what's a new belief in there? So like, I'll walk through some of those things. Um, so if it's like, I'm stressed out, I'm stressed out because I feel I need to be perfect. I feel like I need to be perfect. Um, I know that's not true. No one actually expects me to be perfect. This is pressure I'm putting on myself. I am good enough as I am. So like kind of going through that. Um, it just helps me dig through myself a little bit and, you know, trying to be able to assess where I'm at and whatever theme it is that I'm working through. Sometimes, you know, there's so much going on that you don't even know what it is that you're like working through at the time. Um, and a good therapist will be able to do like CBT on you and you won't really even know that that's what's happening, that you're just kind of going, going through it. So yeah, I'm not an expert on it at all. Um, but I like it. Yeah, it sounds like you know a lot in this field. I know uh, Dr. Meg Jay, of, the author of The Defining Decade, she writes a lot about specifically your niche, young adults or women in their 20s, men and women in their 20s. And the brain is still developing, the frontal cortex. So we're deciding what our personality is during this time. And it sounds like you guide people, you guide these women into connecting to a kinder self, a kinder personality, a kinder thought pattern. Do you ever speak to your clients about women's issues or the divine feminine or like the inner wise woman or the highest self or verbiage like this? I talk to, to them about it, but I don't think it's in my personality to necessarily like use those terms, even though I'm comfortable with it. It's just not where I tend to land, but more in a sense of being coming unapologetically yourself. And I think that's super hard to do. Um, like, I know that I leave things being like, why did I say that? Or like, was I too much? And I tend to walk into a room and be like, who noticed me? Like, uh, <laughs> and like, I'm like, should I have pulled back or not said that? And I get a lot of clients that feel that way too. Like, should I not have raised my hand? One of my students was like, I, I feel bad asking questions during class because I don't want people to think I'm a know-it-all or like annoying or whatever. So I think connecting to their own wise woman or their own internal um, dialogue or intuition is just being like, okay, like asking a lot of questions is me being unapologetically myself um, or like me being like a, like, performer or talker is like unapologetically me and kind of loving the parts of yourself that maybe are hard to and I feel like that's where I connect to the wise woman or the divine feminine or you know for, I talk about um discernment a lot and it's like are your choices leading you closer to your truth or farther away and using that as sort of like a measurement for kind of your intentions over actions um, or um, outcome, like, and then being able to choose your actions based on what your intention is, maybe not necessarily what you want the outcome to be. So. Fabulous. That sounds really useful. You're helping young adults at a time when they absolutely need you the most. Yeah, I feel like I needed me and that's why I'm doing the work I did. You know, I've 
I have an amazing family. I went to the best schools. I, um, I danced my whole life. I still dance like all this. I do all this great stuff, but like, you still need help figuring it all out. Like, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong or that there's like a stigma or, you know, like that you're weird. Like everyone needs help digging through themselves and you can't do it all alone. What I love so much about you, Maggie, is you work so hard building this very successful business and you're very passionate about it yet you still hold this deep passion for dance and it has this large, healthy embodiment in your life. Was dance always a passion of yours? Yeah, I was joking with my friends uh, yesterday that um, we picked a sport that has to do with feelings. <laughs> That's why all my friends are pretty much dancers or like have a lot of feels. Like you either get one or the other. Um, yeah, you know, I love, 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 love dance, but the things I hate about myself in real life are the things I hate about myself in dance too. Like, it's crazy how like all the intersections of things happen. Like, I don't like escape myself in it. Like I, in dance, I dance really tiny. Like I don't take up a lot of space and I hate it when I'm afraid to take up space in real life. Um, in dance, I get freaked out when someone's too close to me or something like one of my friends got hit, like got a black eye yesterday at auditions because like she was too close or someone was too close to her and hit her. Like I always hate when we don't have enough space or, or stuff like that, or like get influenced by other people. And I hate in my real life when I'm influenced by the space of other people. Um, so I like having dance to like mirror both aspects and be able to work through it all kind of in a different um, way. And then I just thought dance too is like, I know it's so cheesy and everyone says it, but like as a form of expression is so important because like I have a really hard time getting angry in my real life. Like I understand people so much. I feel like that, like, I'm like, Oh, they're doing this because of this, but like kind of forget that they're still doing the mean thing. <laughs> like, just cause I understand it doesn't make it like, okay. Um, but in dance, I'll be like, I can play mad. I can play disappointed. I can play sexy. I can play fun or any kind of role that maybe I'm not, um, comfortable with like in my real life or don't like see myself as the angry dances, um, always like are fun to do. Cause it's like far away from who I am, but probably like things I need more of. So I like, I like that part of, of dance. That makes me think of five rhythms dancing meditation. I don't know that. What is that? Five rhythms is dancing to the elements around you and there's different layers of each and you move your body in different ways to connect to the music. And it's kind of like a trip and and there's so much research supporting how we hold so much stress and tension in our bodies. Our bodies are so much wiser than us. And especially for women, the, the wise woman, we can dance to release that. Hmm, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's incredible places to practice in New York as well. You can check it out. And um, there was a dance I did a couple seasons ago when I was um, getting to know myself in a different way. And uh, one of the dances I was in, I loved um and it was like super like jazzy and sexy in a way that's like what people expected of you so like hair rolls and like on the floor and like like 
uh, it was to like a remix of Crazy in Love from Fifty Shades of Grey. Like it, we were like gray nightgowns and like it was super fun and super easy for me to do because it's like what other like it's what you would expect sexy would would look like um, in a dance kind of way. But then I was in another piece right after it that was this like super hard warrior piece. And like you were like fierce and like cool. And I had such a harder time with that one because it's like it wasn't really like what I feel like I am, but it was like what I was working through in my real life anyway to be like this warrior, like boundaries and stuff like that. So I loved that my dance life can mirror like my real life and help me, um, you know, sort of work through different aspects of myself that maybe I can't connect to as easily um, in my regular life. Who would you say in your life are some of your mentors that greatly shaped who you are right now and the work that you do? I think that there are so many and so many at different chapters of life. And I think we have to get comfortable with being okay with outgrowing things that once worked for you. And I think that there, sometimes there's like grief in that, um, outgrowing something, but I think my mentor, Megan, is really important to me. Um, she's really awesome. Like, I feel like she just gets me, which is nice to be seen in that way. Um, I did a lot of work with one of my mentors, Deb, who I love. Um, yeah, no one, like, famous that I can think of that, like, we could tag on this or, like, <laughs> um, what but, did you love about these mentors what did they really bring to light I think they just helped me do what I want to do for my clients is help me be unapologetically myself where I'm like oh I you know f this up really bad or I did this thing when I wanted to do the opposite of it or I wasn't like sometimes I'll feel like I'll give into something or know what I should do and do the opposite of it. And they let me be like, you did it. It's okay. Like you're fine. It's okay. And kind of hold me in those places where like, maybe I don't want to look at myself and be able to embrace it as all the divine picture that is, you know, Maggie, there's no judgment. I think that's what I like the most. Judgment-free zones. Absolutely. Well, like, I think the world um, needs more of that. My friends will be like, uh, like, oh, I, you know, I texted my ex-boyfriend again. The whole group goes like, oh, but like my mentors would be like, it's okay. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> it's good. So like stuff like that. I like <laughs> no judging. The opposite trajectories that definitely have to be held in the same space. So what are some things that help you or some practices that help you connect to your inner wise woman? I think some of them I shared, like I like writing through some of my thoughts really fast, like not spending too much time in it or out of it. Um, this sounds really lame, but like I walk a lot, like I'll go and take a long walk. Um, I live in a city, so there's not like a ton of nature around, but I like being outside. Um, I think that's a practice. Having regular um, chats 
with people like yourself or my mentors and being able to sort of reveal some of the heavier parts of myself in that way. Um, dance is a good one for me. Um, what else? I'm not like a practice girl that much. Like I kind of just tried to live it. Like I haven't been to yoga in forever, even though like sometimes I'll go through phases where I go like every other day. Um, I've been running and liking to run, which I've never done before. Like I would only like run away from something maybe, but like <laughs> I've been doing that. Um, I'm a really big, like I feel everything in my body. So like getting in tune with that. So a walk or dance or chatting with someone. I'm someone that like feels things viscerally in my body. Like if I get upset, I could like throw up or if um, I'm really happy, I can like tear up and cry from joy. Like it's very um, like sensual feeling centered and very connected to my, my body, and my empath skills. <laughs> it's very tangible. Mm -hmm. What are some things you wish you could have told yourself when you were younger or maybe when you were going through bigger life transitions? It's okay to make mistakes, I think, is a big one um, for myself. I know people tell you that all the time, but um, the kind of pressure I put on myself for being perfect is nothing like the people around me expect. Like I'm the hardest person on myself. My parents always joke that they never grounded me because I would always punish myself. So they didn't have to do anything, which is a thousand percent true. Um, yeah. And I think I would encourage a younger version of myself to find people to talk to about the things that I was going through. Um, so as to not be so hard on myself, like the standards I, I set for myself were not um, in any sort of way, like attainable and or useful. Like it, it kind of, you know, like back to that discernment piece, like I'm not sure, you know, beating myself up for whatever it is was like bringing me closer to my truth. Um, and like you only get a certain amount of hours in a day to use your energy and how do you want, you know, to put those to use? And as the queen of ruminating, <laughs> um, you know, that's definitely not how I want to spend my time, even though it ends up being. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I had, like, my fourth grade teacher give me a book, like, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, if that gives you any indication of, like, who I am. <laughs> so I would have liked to have started working on that earlier, probably. And I think talking to someone, like, if I, you know, had you to talk to at 14 through 22 or whatever, that would have been really helpful. And yeah. would you say now you have some really helpful practices that really ground you when you are having compulsive thought patterns or ruminating? Yeah. Or just, like, being myself. <laughs> it's also this marriage of radical acceptance. Like, this is who I am. This is how I move throughout the day. And this is how I connect. And it seems like you mastered that in your own flavor. Um, I wouldn't call it mastering at all, but um, gotten better at and, you know, just practice every day, you know? 
practice. It looks different every day. Yeah. What it, What does your day normally look like? Do you have a set morning routine or an evening routine? Any rituals that help you stay in this healthy headspace? None. Um, like I said, like I'm not someone to like have practices necessarily. Like I just try to Im- embody different things. I guess one thing I do every day is like I listen to a lot of music. Um, and I had a student say, and this sticks with me all the time. I keep meaning to make a video about it on my website. Um, so this is good that it'll float out there perhaps, but one of my students was moving and her friend, she's still my student now. We just do it on the phone, but, um, her friend made her a playlist like on Spotify and it was called sad songs when you want to stay sad. And I died laughing because I'll be like, okay, are my thoughts, are my songs, what am I doing? Am I playing sad songs when I want to stay sad? Like, what am I doing here? Um, So I definitely check in. That's like, I guess, something I do every day with like what I'm listening to. (laughs) Like, what am I choosing here? Am I doing sad songs when you want to stay sad? And it doesn't even have to relate to music, but like, are your thoughts just like, you know, perpetuating a certain mood? (laughs) But I think that there's sometimes a when it comes to releasing even things that make you not feel so awesome because of the unknown of what happens after that. So if I stop beating myself up over my grades or if I stop stressing out over a relationship or if I stop stressing out over what sorority I'm getting into or what, you know, dance group or whatever it is that my clients are going through, like there's a fear of like what will take up that time. Like, and sometimes it's, it's like feeling worthy enough to let go of the story and then let whatever happens next happen. And there's like a bravery, vulnerability aspect to that. Um, and that's where I feel like sad songs when you want to stay sad comes back into play because it's like, are you ready to release this even though it's scary? Like there becomes comfort in the thing that makes you uncomfortable. And like being brave enough to sort of go into the unknown of it. And typically that's the light at the end of the, the tunnel um, with, with the growth aspect. But um, you know, when it comes to my practices, I sort of go with whatever I'm feeling at the time. Like I'll go through a phase where I'll say affirmations to myself, not to make them happen or anything, but like to figure out like where I get kind of stuck. Like what in my body do I not believe when I, when I say it and can I say it enough where I start to feel differently in my body about it? Cause I don't actually believe it's not true, you know? Um, or I'll go through a phase where I'm meditating a lot or a phase where I try to run more or make sure I get outside. Um, I pretty much always try to walk a lot and I live in New York, so it's easy to do. Um, walk a lot. So I guess those are my practices. I'm not truly like someone that's like, I make this kind of tea every morning and I write my prayers in my journal. Like some mornings I like need to sleep in and like I have a huge group of girlfriends. So like my nighttime routine is going to be different. Like, or my Saturday afternoon, we, my two best friends and I like threw a fake snow day where we went to my husband's apartment. <laughs> we like ate like donuts and spinach dip and watched movies and drank the champagne. <laughs> like, um, so whatever ritual I would have had for a Saturday afternoon got totally um, canceled. 
but I like things to look different every day. So that's, that's so fun. It was so much fun. <laughs> it is my very... friends are the best. My friends are the best. It is very nice to change it up. It's really good to have a bunch of spiritual running buddy women. But I think the consistent thing is like being able, like I talk to people all the time about like whatever it is I'm going through. So I might not be going to see my mentor once a week for an hour at a certain space or a certain time, but you know, I'll have a depthful conversation with you or I'll have a depthful conversation with my mom or my sister, or I'll have a depthful conversation with a coworker or like a depthful conversation with a client. That's all sort of fostering this sense of spirituality and acceptance of the self in whatever form it's taking. Just a chatty. So if you were, let's say this podcast zoomed out and every young woman listened to it, what is something, what is the message that you would want to share with these young women? Oh my gosh, so much. But I, I guess the one thing is like, it is so safe and necessary for you to be unapologetically yourself. And when you're yourself, your authentic self, you inspire others to do the same, creating a more comfortable community for all the things that you actually want. Um, and I think that this is something I see most people in the world struggle with because we want to come off a certain way or, you know, we've been raised in different ways or told different things or told different things by society too that make it not okay to be yourself. Like if you watch TV, you're going to have 27 beauty ads for different things that are just telling you like something's wrong with you. And then I'm like obsessed with like Korean beauty now and like trying to do all the masks and things. But, um, you know, like just being that, like raise your hand, walk into a room, um, you know, be funny, overshare, like whatever it is, like just be yourself. And then, you know, I feel, I feel most like myself when, um, when my friends and the people I'm around are most themselves too. Like, I feel like my friends accept me exactly the way that I am. And maybe they're all like group texting behind my back that they don't, <laughs> I think they do. <laughs> That's sweet. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's a wonderful message that definitely needs to be shared. Raise that hand, show up, speak up. Or don't. Like, if that's not your authentic style, like, don't do it. Like, you don't have to be that. You know, there's all these studies done in schools that, like, extroverts get, like, more noticed or better grades or whatever because they're, like, loud <laughs> in, like, a classroom setting where, like, maybe participation is graded. Um, you know, a lot can be said about that in general, but, you know, just having the bravery to be your vulnerable self and not just all the masks you put on um, to sort of get through the day. And it's not easy work. Like, I'm not doing this all the time. Like, I'm blew out my hair straight to hang out with you today. Like, <laughs> even if it's a podcast and can't see, I have curly hair that's straight today. <laughs> Brilliant. And it's beautiful. And I definitely agree. I, I was reading the principles of the four agreements and there was a spiritual oh. practice of why am I talking? 
Like, why am I talking right now? Like, why do I have to go out and insert my voice? Maybe it's best to stay back, listen, observe, and be mindful of everything that's happening around us. Whatever feels most authentically you. The four agreements are so freaking hard. <laughs> Absolutely. So Maggie, as we come to the end of our session, what is something that you're excited about, whether in business or in personal life? Like, what's happening that you're really excited about? Such a great question. Um, I don't even know. Like, I think I'm really excited to um, reach more girls and create wellness content around these sort of topics as it relates to what they're going through. So, like, can you be authentically yourself in a roommate situation or authentically yourself at an audition or authentically yourself taking classes? Like, being able to dig into this theme in different topics I'm really excited about. Um, what else? That's perfect. Yeah. There's a lot to be excited about. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm excited to dance. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Maggie. Anything else you want to share? No, thank you. And, um, you know, you're such a great friend to me, and I always appreciate uh, whenever you can give me, give me some time and energy and just your sweet light. Thank you. Thank you, Maggie. You're the best. If you guys are listening and you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, comment in the section below. If you want to hear more from Maggie, it's maggiedepasquale.com, M-A-G-G-I-E-D-I-P-A-S-Q-U-A-L-E.com. Again, I will add her website in the pod notes. And if you want to follow her on Instagram, it's at maggiedepasquale. Maggie, thank you so much for being here. And if you do subscribe and you do comment, please take a screenshot, send it to me, Aaron at AaronRachel.pelt.com, and you will be entered to win a $100 gift card to Whole Foods or Amazon, Lululemon, or Athleta. So be sure to do that, and I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much. Thank you for showing up, and have a great day.